0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today on the podcast, we have Alon Goran, who uh, is is kind of an interesting mix of different things. So I guess, first of all, uh, hi, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Awesome. And if you had to kind of explain to people what it is and what you do, how, how would you what would your elevator pitch be for, for what Elon does?
1: So we uh, we find super early stage blockchain startups um, and we incubate them and accelerate them and help them grow. And now we have a fund where we can invest in them uh, a little more than than we did before, which is really, really exciting.
0: Awesome. So um, how long have you guys been uh, investing? I mean, because I mean, we've spoken at some events with Tim, so we know that he's been quite active in this space. So how long have you guys been doing these investments? And and is the idea of the investments like an initial amount of seed money? And then if they do well, you then do a larger amount. Is that the thinking or is it different?
1: It's exactly that. But we're a lot more hands on than a normal uh, investor is. So we've been doing this for about three years. Um, I've known Tim now for about ten. Nowhere near as uh, uh, prolific or experienced as him. I think he's like past six hundred portfolio companies or something at this point. So he is he is uh, uh, he's insane, uh, but in a really really awesome way. Um, So you know we we are obsessed with the blockchain space, and we've uh, been a part of it for a very long time, and for the past few years, we've been doing a conference. Uh, now it's called LA Blockchain Summit. Before it was called Crypto Invest Summit. But we got to meet the the smartest people we've ever met in our lives in this space. And at a certain point a few years ago, we realized we really wanted to um, bet on some of these folks. But we had, uh, we're, we're entrepreneurs, and we had a lot more um, experience building uh, startups and um, things we could do to help them than we did cash to invest in them. So we started by writing very small checks to show them that we're serious, but also spending a ton of time helping those companies grow. And uh, Tim speaks at our conference every year. We're at, um, I think, the seventh or eighth conference now. And, um, you know, we he knows us really well and he sees the value we add to our portfolio companies. So. At the beginning of last year, um, Tim invested in our venture studio and uh, became a board member. And we, uh, we basically um, uh, rebranded to Draper Gorin Home. And uh, later on this year, we ended up raising, um, or at least closing the first close of a new fund that'll double down on the companies as
0: they grow. Cool. Um, And so we recently interviewed uh, Susan McPherson, who's another VC but on the East Coast, and we were kind of discussing the what I'm going to ask you is, is how do you help companies? And then at the same time, how do you help them and yet manage not to kind of be a pain, pain in the butt and micromanage, too? So in what ways do you help? And then how do you find the right degree of involvement?
1: I think I think there is a, a fine line for sure um i know i've has as an entrepreneur i've had really really helpful investors and uh investors that have been a really big pain in the butt um (laughs) but we we try to be uh helpful and available um but but not also micromanage getting people's business so you know we you know we're so early and uh we're so unique in what we do that the companies know what they're getting into with us so for example, you know, we're we're not like a normal startup accelerator, like a TechStars or, or or a Y Combinator, like that, where people you know live in our office for three months and then are released to the wild, and and then we very rarely talk to them after that. We we don't have a program. We when when we meet good companies, we we do the deal or we don't. Um, and uh, and so and then you know if they're at the stage where they need our help, you know, every week, every day for three months, we give it to them. If it takes nine months, we still give it to them, you know? And some companies, uh, they're all unique. I think one of our, uh, one of the investors in us said that, you know, every term sheet and every startup is like a snowflake. And and we, we, we totally um, uh, subscribe to that. So, you know, we have companies where we are, uh, I've been on a weekly management board meeting with that company since the day we made the investment. Uh, two years ago. And then there are some companies where, you know, um, we talk or we get like a monthly update from them or we talk every couple months and that's uh, how we work with that one. So it's it's really, really different unique. We even have our team, uh, the employees of ours, building, you know, the first uh, websites for some of the companies. We, we manage the marketing efforts. Adam on our team is uh, probably as productive or more productive than a PR firm for a lot of our startups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we try to help them as much as we can um, uh, until they, you know, uh, raise a lot more money and can can sort of uh, fly the nest.
0: Yeah, look, I think that makes sense. Um, and the fact that you are able to do that, because um, the question I'm going to ask you is the common mistakes that people make. And I guess one of the observations from the companies that we advise and work with is sometimes they love the project. The product too much and they spend too little time finding out what the customers and the clients want so is that a common mistake and or what kind of uh, common mistakes do you help your guys to avoid making
1: yeah you know in the uh, you you're absolutely one thousand percent right you know we have these a way and uh, to put on you know, these sort of blinders and, and dive into something that, that we do and not see, not see it with fresh eyes or a fresh perspective. So to use something may look totally normal because you've been living in it for six months, but somebody new can come in and be like, you know, where's the login button? I can't even find how to log in. And you know exactly where it is. So it's second nature to you and you don't even think about it anymore. So um, there, there definitely are things like that on the product side. And what's actually kind of fun is that Joseph and I were both sort of product people before we started this, so um, so we can get pretty nitpicky. That might be somewhere where we can be annoying to our startups, if we're going to be honest, um, because we'll look at a product and be like, who designed this? Um, and But, uh, but uh, that said, I think the most common mistakes um, uh, focused on blockchain because you know what what you just said and what we're talking about sort of uh works with all startups and all all industries but in the blockchain space i think the thing that is uh, the most common sort of error and and advice i could give somebody is that we're we're down the rabbit hole and we know how to use products like MetaMask and know what it means to hold self-custody of our crypto and know the differences between, you know, buying crypto on an exchange and not. And we're very, very technical in these certain perspectives that the average person isn't. Um, but then we can go down this this path where we go, you know, uh, uh, one of our portfolio companies, for example, DeFi Money Market can earn consumers six and a quarter percent interest on their uh, dollars, basically. But to get to it, you need to buy a stable coin like USDC or DAI and then you know you deposit into a contract where you earn six and a quarter percent interest. Now, if you don't understand or know crypto, that's, that's like a foreign language. It's like me coming to you and speaking to you uh, in Hebrew or in Spanish, right? Like if you don't speak those languages, it, mm-hmm. it's meaningless, right? It's like, you know, you need a translator. And, uh, and so in our space, the most common issue is um, being so far down the rabbit hole that even if you think you're simplifying it, you know, my mom still won't be able to figure it out. Yeah. And if my mom can't figure it out, then then the people who you know can afford to invest in products, uh, you know, um, or you know others won't be able to do it, and that's who we need to be creating our products for. So there, you know, what we need to do is either understand who we're selling to, or adjust the product to our our, our person, right? So if you're selling directly to my brothers and my mom then your product shouldn't have to, uh, you know, use a third party web three, you know, app or wallet like like a Metamask, it should be an a app you can deposit your dollars into. If your product is selling to the developers and to the banks and people who are um, who are going to provide consumer products, then then it can be technical. Then you can just provide API documentation and then you know build a, a biz dev team to, to go after that. So in in you know for for me the biggest thing we we have to do a lot of times is to coach people on who the ultimate person they're selling it to is and then help figure out that process. And and the process begins with the product and then goes all the way to you know marketing emails direct um, you know, direct biz dev and things like that. So, you know, I would that that in the in the crypto space is is really one of the main things because you'll you'll get to meet people in this space who are by far the the smartest, most technical people you've ever worked with. Like, you know, the space is a lot of mm-hmm. PhD and mathematicians and engineers who are just you know on another level. Like every time I feel like I understand the space, I uh, I I end up you know you know hitting another hurdle (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so so you know that's that's the main thing we we like to do at the beginning when we're working with our companies And, and a big piece of advice i give we're at over 20 portfolio companies now and i think that everybody needs a bit of that even the best product people in the world need an outsider to come in and poke them uh every once in a while
0: yeah look i i think you're right and i hear you because i mean uh on like with with one hat I'm in the space but on the other hand uh you know the, c- c- can I use it to buy coffee is almost the like you say c- could my could my mum rock up and buy a coffee with it and if she can't then you know and if it's private keys and public keys then yes it's not quite as simple if you're not in that space to use so absolutely um one of the things that was very big in 2020 and people got excited about was decentralized finance and digital yeah. securities um how how as as with Bitcoin three years ago, how much was hype? How soon could we see deliverable products? And if so, what kind of products might they be? Because there's definitely been a lot of excitement about this, uh, but at the same time, do we need to manage expectations, or could we be could we see things coming to market very soon uh, in this space?
1: One so so one thousand percent it is. Uh uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say that, I'll, I'll reframe it. I'm actually going to say the opposite of what I was about to say. 1,000% mm-hmm. is a ton of hype. Um, and, but, but I think that the hype is for good reason and 1,000% one, and 1, the products exist. But, yeah. the, um, but the readiness for consumer adoption is the biggest issue. You know, the, the reason why I didn't, you know, buy fully into Bitcoin in 2013 when we built our first mining rig was because I told my partner at the time this is this is a huge waste of time and it's not ready for massive adoption you know we were thinking we were going to use it for micropayments and crowdfunding we built a mining rig to experiment and then Mm -hmm. you know a month later we we sort of gave up on it because we went no none of our customers are ever going to use this um and here we are today and so you know we um we look at the DeFi space sort of similarly, except for consumer adoption of technology is accelerated in every cycle. You know, um, I, I'm old enough to have bought a uh, a cashier's check to buy auto parts from somebody on eBay when I was a teenager and lost my money because I didn't know that a you know what a cashier's check was but i was crazy enough to buy something over the internet with with you know before people would i'm i know when amazon launched people thought it was insane to put your credit card online to buy a book you know so and now it you wouldn't even second guess most of these uh things that that we talk about paypal exists to to address that problem with the cashier's check amazon went from from books to movies to now everything and even powered the internet because they learned that one millisecond of load time on the website equaled more revenue to to e-commerce sales. So DeFi products, I think are doing an incredible job in their own world where they're showing all of us nerds who participate and play in the space every single day that you can cut out the middleman You can take out all of the fees the banks charge. You can make a process automated without human intervention. And guess what? There's more profits to go around for everybody if you do that. And the products aren't so crazy unique that they didn't exist before in the real world. Most of the products are basic lending and borrowing and savings products. But the thing that's innovative is the way they're done with smart contracts and automation. And so What's really exciting to me about that is that they've proven now that an industry can go from, you know, a few hundred, uh, maybe million dollars at the beginning of this year to now. I think last I looked, there was like 15 or 16 billion dollars in DeFi. You still look at that. That's insane for us inside the industry. But you look at that as a bank and you can laugh at it because in the United States alone, there's seven trillion dollars in alternative assets traded every year. You know, so so it's yeah. it's peanuts compared to the big dog, but what's exciting and what I know is happening. Um, you know, we have a portfolio company called Return, the Return Network, that's launching an app in uh, hopefully January. That will and and we'll put out more details about this. And this is, uh, uh you know one of the first times I'm talking about it outside of like, you know, the crypto space and the telegram chats and things like that. But the return app is going to allow you to basically with US dollars, um, purchase the product that DeFi money market uh, produces that same product that I told you earlier gets you six and a quarter percent of stable interest yield. And the reason that return is able to do that is because they've automated the process. You're going to have a simple um, iPhone app. That iPhone app is connected to a licensed bank and custodian that will actually hold all the assets. So my mom can just connect directly to her Chase account. She can deposit $100 and instantly start earning interest. And when she withdraws her $100, she'll just withdraw the $100 and interest that she generated. And um, all of the work happens behind the scenes. My mom doesn't need to know what Metamask is. She doesn't even know, need to know what, what crypto is. You know, obviously it's going to be very well defined in, in, in the you know, FAQ and people will know that's what they're buying, um, but they're not going to have to be able to do anything. It'll be as simple as somebody who likes to buy Bitcoin on Coinbase, except for the app will just be to deposit dollars and in earn interest, just like a savings account at your bank should be except for you know Wells Fargo's highest interest rate right now is somewhere around 0.05% interest. So, you know, in DeFi you can get orders of magnitude more. And so I think that there is going to be more and more of this type of thing. I think the products that will win and of course I'm biased cuz I'm talking about return will be the ones that use protocols that give you a stable yield. And DeFi money market gives you a stable yield. Groups like Compound and Aave and all these other groups who are amazing, give you DeFi yields that bounce up and down every single day. And that's really hard to sell and really hard for a um, consumer to understand. And it's even harder for them to trust. So I uh, I like products that have a solid foundation and backbone where you can say, okay, this is stable just like the bank accounts you know 10 years ago i had a had a bank account that earned me 3% interest and every once in a while that that interest rate might change but it didn't happen literally every minute or by the day and then i got my interest payments paid to me monthly in defi you get your interest payments paid to you every block which is every you know 10 to 30 seconds Um, And you literally see your money growing in real time. That's what's really excited about this space. And I know your question was about, are we ready for mainstream adoption? I absolutely think so. The other thing you mentioned was um, digital securities. That's like the opposite end of the spectrum from the regulated world. With digital securities, you're not circumventing regulation or anything like that. You're actually hitting it head on and using technology to make it easier for everyone to participate and comply with regulation. So on that end, we actually have Onera, one of our portfolio companies and Symmetria, one of our portfolio companies who are basically making it easy for everyone to trade in the private markets um, uh, with using blockchain and that is happening very quickly and getting really excited and I see banks starting to participate in the conversations. You see the the head of of the New York Stock Exchange saying that within ten years they expect all of securities to be tokenized this is This is huge, huge uh, opportunity right now, and that's why you know when i when we reach out to you, we said, you know what what are the opportunities in this space beyond Bitcoin? Because I think that every single investor who is contemplating in investing in Bitcoin or investing in Bitcoin should also as part of their portfolio be investing in the opportunity that this whole industry creates. If you believe Bitcoin's going to be around, you definitely should believe that blockchain will be around, you know, it's, it's going to be around in some form, just looking at, you know, everything from, from medical companies putting records on the blockchain now to banks adopting it for, for different products. And so, you know, it's really, in my opinion, um, super important to be looking at the whole space, and including uh it in your portfolio
0: yeah look uh, i think very much so and in some ways um i think uh bitcoin was a fantastic proof of concept of what blockchain can do and and i think it was much more interesting uh you'd like with the tap scott's book about use cases for blockchain like you said mm-hmm. with medical records or ownership of music you know th- things that uh, you, you can't just dispute ownership because it's the the proof of ownership is in one place if once it's on the blockchain that, that that negates the ability for people to you know uh tip x out the, the previous name and put their name in you know so very much so and i guess uh, a, a funny thing until now has been that generally uh while like with ethereum there are so many other currents uh altcoins that do interesting things and yet for now it, it seems to be that the bitcoin has been the the, the The dog the dog that the tail that wags the dog i'm not sure i mean i mean obviously bitcoin's market cap is so much more than all the rest but at the same time uh, it still seems to drag the other ones up and down um uh, i know we were going to just discuss a little bit i mean so i i was going to say has bitcoin grown up or really will it be a time when 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 just because bitcoin goes up or down it doesn't then affect all the other ones how soon do you think we're going to see a time when altcoins stand on their own and, and the market's not just dragged up and down by by bitcoin
1: i think we're we're gonna get there um you know i think that what will you know uh, that's that's the double-edged uh sort of regulation i think so you know the reason why you can't uh, why it's not just super simple and easy to connect your bank account and go directly to buying um you know some random altcoin mm-hmm. is because uh a lot well one a lot of those altcoins are purposely uh uh avoiding regulation and they might set themselves up in another country they might set themselves up they're not they don't fit into the normal um you know uh boxes that that the public markets created they didn't they didn't you know register with uh with with the SEC and FINRA and apply to go public and do all these things. They just went out there and did it. Um, And and it took a really long time, for example, for Ethereum to get there. Uh, Bitcoin got there sooner, uh, or maybe people were willing to be riskier at the time. So the reason why Bitcoin and Ethereum and some of those top tokens are really, um, move a lot of times when the market does crazy things is because it's your only way into the market. So it used to be that the only way to buy an altcoin was to buy Bitcoin, then swap your Bitcoin for Ethereum, yeah. and then take your Ethereum and go. Now you yeah. can go directly into Ethereum. Now there are some products and some exchanges where you could go into some of those other altcoins. And then, you know, I, my, my most used product in the space um, uh, is is Total at total.exchange, T-O-T-L-E, you can swap any ERC20 token for any other ERC20 token, and it will automatically route it across all the decentralized exchanges to get you the best prices. It will even split them up. So if you said like, I wanna trade 100 ETH for uh, for DMG tokens, it will say, I'll take 20 ETH and swap it for, for DMG on this exchange, take 80 ETH and swap it for wrapped ETH on this other exchange and then take the wrapped ETH, like it'll take into account all the different trading pairs and all the different exchanges and will route it in different places. And that's sort of the beauty of, of decentralized exchanges. Um, you know, when you trade on Schwab, it kind of does that with stocks. It just uses different clearing houses and different prime brokers to make sure you get the best prices. In DeFi, there, that didn't exist until more recently um uh, or it did actually a total of the first one to have done it about three years ago and now it's just getting optimized more and more so it's really exciting um so so anyway getting back to your question are we going to see them sort of decorrelate? i think they will at some point but i think people will always look at at least bitcoin and ethereum as sort of the main networks especially with the way that people know that most of Mm, these definitely moment is at least built on ethereum so people can look at that and although you know you don't you know it's 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 getting interesting to see what will happen um you know but i i do believe people look at it you know you see the institutions um somebody asked me if uh if you know bitcoin is going to to have a bubble uh because of what's going on right now and what's funny is that um Everyone talked about Bitcoin being a bubble in 2017, 18, and uh, what was funny about it is that it was like orders of magnitude smaller than the startup uh, bubble of uh, of you know the 2000s and everybody going going crazy when you know shopping.com and diapers.com and all those things happened, um, but those were in the trillions of dollars and Bitcoin wasn't there yet. Um, now seeing that public companies are literally proposing to their boards to take on convertible debt to buy more Bitcoin, I think we're actually in a position where the the groups that Bitcoin was trying to circumvent are actually going to be the ones that create a potential bubble. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Because, you know, I uh, I, it it, again, there's a double edged sword. One day you're cheering because you know some uh government decides to declare bitcoin a uh a national currency like japan did but on the other hand you're like wait wasn't the whole point of this to uh, to avoid yeah. this kind of thing um yeah. so you know it, it depends on uh you know how i'm feeling that day uh but but it is uh it is a funny um it is it is very funny to look at these things i mean i just had a really long-winded answer to say i have no idea but i do think that each individual coin is going to sort of separate from itself, um, uh, separate from each other, and and as things go and the networks are going to change. There's so many great networks launching. If we believe this is going to look like the internet, it would be really dumb of us to think that there's only going to be one operating system, one programming language, and one uh, you know one platform. You know, like we we use a different operating system on our phones than on our desktops. We use different programming languages within those operating systems so to think that the financials uh, industry and the backbone of of the future of sort of uh, finance and, and regulation and countries and things like that happen all in one programming language is ridiculous so there's going to be Tezos and Ethereum and Bitcoin and all these other groups or versions of them in the future because every product is going to have its own unique use use cases and sets and maybe in certain countries one had more adoption and people don't use the programming languages that are the best ones every single time they use the ones that are best for their current situation and that's not always technology that also includes business you ask engineers and developers i don't know if i've ever asked one uh you know uh of what the best programming language is to build something and then say dot net the the microsoft (laughs) language but tons of products are built on .NET. And the reason is .NET is is ran and owned by Microsoft. And Microsoft has large organization. And if I'm building an enterprise product and I need to call somebody who can make something happen for me, or if something breaks and I need help, I now have uh, somebody to call. I have a stable of engineers who are trained. I have companies I can I can go to and help me with. If I did the same thing with uh, with an open source programming language, that might be better. What do I do? Like go on to you know, drop into Reddit, go into uh, message boards, and hope I can find an engineer that will help me. Like that doesn't that doesn't always work out. And so if you're built, you know, so so you know, long story short is there's going to be so many networks. They're all going to create exciting products. There can be bridges across them, just like programming languages have now. Inside like right now I'm staring at this browser while recording a podcast and I can tell you without a doubt that for sure it's using JavaScript for sure it's using HTML and for sure it's using CSS um, and probably some other things but those are three programming languages three separate products in a browser to record a podcast. Um, not to mention the fact that the browser is built in another language too. And so, so, you know, to think that, you know, our financial services industry is only going to be on Ethereum or only going to be on Bitcoin or only going to be on Tezos is, is um, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this world shakes up over the next, uh, you know, few years.
0: Oh look, definitely, yeah, and look, I mean, uh, and I hear you, and like with the Microsoft, I mean, you know, that's there. There are legacy reasons for that. It doesn't make it the best one, but it's you know, I mean, and you know, their operating system is built on millions of lines of code, not because it's better, but because they, it's it's almost too hard to port it over to something that might be better for them, and. Yes, similarly, uh, I think it will diversify or it can only because as we've discussed, there are so many different use cases uh, and Bitcoin is very clunky. Uh, I mean, and for us editorially, we we try not to run stories about the price of Bitcoin up, the price of Bitcoin down because it's not really the story. The story is blockchain and how blockchain can enable us to do things in a better way than before. So, you know, I think you took a tough question there. Um, (laughs) Who... Where do you get your information from? And who inspires you? How, how do you keep your finger on the pulse? So
1: I'm I'm not a uh, a trader when it comes to tokens. But when you said information, the first thing that came to mind was Lunar Crush. And again, I'm totally biased. I'm like name dropping all our portfolio companies, but Lunar Crush, in my opinion, if you're somebody that's looking at the tokens and trying to get data is more valuable to you than if you paid to have a Bloomberg terminal in your house. You know, if you're trading stocks, yeah, Bloomberg is is the you know best of breed. If you're trading crypto, Lunar Crush is because the data that they collect and gather is more important than any kind of technical analysis you could probably do on a cryptocurrency. Um, so, so when it comes to data of, of crypto tokens and things like that, Lunar Crush one thousand percent. When it comes to the startups in the space, um, I get my information by participating. Um, I uh, I. I don't think I've learned uh, any more about the space ever by reading research reports or creating and writing research reports than I did actually just going like, what the hell is this YAM product? I'm going to buy 100 YAMs and I'm going to stake them and figure out what this is and how to do it. You know, when, um, when uh, I wanted to figure out if people could create more mainstream adoption of DEXs I use totals API to create my own WordPress plugin so that anybody using um, WordPress, like a journalist or somebody like that could put their own exchange on their own website. And I launched mm-hmm. a thing called the WordPress cryptocurrency exchange plugin. And there's now like 6000 people who have crypto exchanges on the website because I. Did it? It wasn't that hard to cool. do. It took me a weekend in googling how do I create a WordPress plugin and uh, figuring it out. And I might be a little more technical than the average person, but I'm not, you know, an engineer by by any uh, by any right. So, you know, doing it myself is what really, really made me learn. Which is why my number one, um, you know, uh, uh, ask of people when they ask me what do I do to learn about this space is I tell them. Take a few bucks, start with literally like 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever the amount is, you know, by buying a couple of Starbucks coffees where you live and, uh, and buy some Bitcoin, buy some ETH, and then just stare at it. And every day when you watch it go up and down, because it's, it's way more volatile than, than the stock market, even today when it's not as volatile as it was three years ago, and, and then read the news of why it did that. And most of the news too will probably be wrong, but you'll just start, you'll just start looking at it and understanding it more. And then the next step will be take another amount that's bigger, but you can afford to lose, throw it into Ethereum and then start literally playing with these projects. Use it as funny money, expect to lose it all to transaction fees, Buy buy an NFT. An NFT is a digital collectible. You know it looks like a baseball card but it's on your computer and at first you'll be confused why it should be worth more money than just a random picture on the internet but once mm-hmm. you learn that you've now unlocked a whole new world of things that you can do and when you i'll tell you to deposit it into a, a site like Defi money market but the thing is all you have to do is start with that 20 bucks buy some bitcoin and all this stuff will just start happening because you're going to start doing research you're going to read an article about how some group just had 1000% interest and then you know got the rug pulled out from under them and lost all their money and you'll go like how did that work and then you'll want to start finding the responsible versions of that you know <laughs> so you're going to you're going to just you'll start learning but do it with dollar amounts or euro amounts or or, or pounds that you literally are are willing to lose because this is going to be education for you I truly believe that if somebody today played with this stuff and just learned about it and you just discount completely any potential investment dollars that they might make out of it um, and even consider that they'll lose money just on learning and educating, I believe it's going to be more valuable than most schools are and I believe Two years from now, five years from now, you'll be first in line to get a job at a modern financial services industry company because you'll be one of the few people who know and understand this better than anyone else.
0: Look, I, I, I think it's very much the case. I mean, uh, we had that where you know somebody wanted to to give us some ether and you know for a, for doing a talk and they gave us like a, a 21 step thing and and by doing that you work out what the issues are what the opportunities are then then when the crypto kitties things explodes you can get the joke you know it's funny yeah. but like, like like i think it's really good advice and like you say if you dial it down to, to amounts that you can afford to lose or the amount that you would have spent on a dvd or you know not people buy dvds anymore but a beer then yeah i th- I, I would completely agree um it's been a very uh, enjoyable to talk to you. How can people learn more about what you guys do and uh, k- keep an eye on what you're up to?
1: Yeah, check out drapergorenhome.com. There is uh, links to everything there. And you know, we something you want to do is sign up to the newsletter because we do our annual uh, LA Blockchain Summit um, in downtown Los Angeles at the convention center every year. But this last year, we had to do it virtually, and I think that the cat's out of the bag and we can't unring this bell, uh, mixing up all the metaphors. Um, It's going to be virtual and online regardless of if we have an in-person version ever again, and we do online events all the time. So if you want to just come and hang out and learn, we do blockchain and booze every Tuesday night, uh, U.S. time, And, uh, and, you know, it's something where you get to, we'd hit a different subject every week and then we have an hour of just hanging out with each other afterwards. People are having drinks, some people don't have drinks, it doesn't matter, we just hang out and uh, network and it's a great way to start learning. So come hang out there and we'll, uh, you'll be one of us soon enough.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, it's been great to talk, so thanks very much and uh, we will look forward to following your activities.
1: Thank you so much
0: for having me, this is awesome.